Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, March 20th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Shemeni, and it means eighth. Leviticus 9, 1-12 After the ordination ceremony on the eighth day, Moses called together Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, Take a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defects, and present them to the Lord. Then tell the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering and take a calf and a lamb, both a year and old and without defects, for a burnt offering. Also take a bull and a ram for a peace offering and flour, moistened with olive oil for a grain offering. Present all these offerings to the Lord, because the Lord will appear to you today. So the people presented all these things at the entrance of the tabernacle, just as Moses had commanded. Then the whole community came forward and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering to purify yourself and the people. Then present the offerings of the people to purify them, making them right with the Lord, just as he has commanded them. 
So Aaron went to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought him the blood, and he dipped his finger in it and put it on the horns of the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he burned on the altar the fat, the kidneys, and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The meat and the hide, however, he burned outside the camp. Then next Aaron slaughtered the animal for the burnt offering. His sons brought him the blood, and he splattered it against all sides of the altar. Luke 4, 1-30 Then Yeshua, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Yeshua ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Yeshua told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Yeshua replied, The scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Yeshua responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Yeshua, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Yeshua returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself, meaning, Do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine devastated the land. 
Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Psalm 63, 1-11 O God, you are my God, I earnestly search for you, my soul thirsts for you, my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you! I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Proverbs eleven twenty and 21 The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Evil people will surely be punished, but the children of the godly will go free. I want us to look back at the holiday that we just came through, Purim, which this year was March the 16th into sundown, going into March the 17th. And of course, this comes from the book of Esther, and we have the whole story of Haman, who wants to wipe out, eradicate, and annihilate all of the Jews. And Haman was a direct descendant of Amalek and Esau. Esau and Amalek both had a deep hatred and bitterness against the Jewish people. And for Esau, it was rooted in the fact that he felt like his birthright had been stolen when, in fact, he chose to sell the birthright. So he had a deep-seated hatred towards his brother, Jacob. So Haman now wants to wipe out all the Jews, and Esther has been strategically placed in the palace as wife to the king and is in a unique position to be able to go before the king and intercede on behalf behalf of her people. And so she rises to the challenge. She said, if I perish, I perish. And then she made her request to the king, but not right away. She took her time. Now, this book is the one book in the entire Bible where the name of God is never mentioned, and yet he is very much working quietly behind the scenes, orchestrating circumstances. And how did he do so? Well, there was one night when the king could not sleep and he was restless, so he got up and was going in the library and reading some of the scrolls, and he found out that Mordecai, 
had once saved the life of the king uh, because there were some evil people who were trying to assassinate him. And he never, he, he never got acknowledged or recognized. And so the next day, he approaches Haman and says, uh, what should the king do for someone he wants to honor? And Haman gives him, oh, let him go through the streets riding the king's horse and with this proclamation. This is how the king respects and honors his people. And then he said, let it be done unto Mordecai. So Haman had built a gallows, and the gallows he intended to hang Mordecai on it, but in a very suddenly turnaround, in a very suddenly turnaround, instead, Haman ends up hanging on the gallows. Now, how does this relate to our current world situation right now? Keep in mind that the book of Esther was all happening in Persia. And ancient Persia is modern-day Iran. And that same wicked principality, that same evil spirit that was over Persia back then, let us call it the spirit of Haman or the spirit of Amalek, that same spirit is very much alive and well and operating today. And the nation of Iran, the leader of Iran, wants to wipe Israel off the map. And under the current administration, the Biden administration, they are trying to get the Iran nuclear deal um, back into play again. And the Biden administration is poised, is ready to send over $50 billion in money to Iran if they will simply accept this nuclear deal. Well, Iran has made no bones about it. They intend to become a nuclear-armed nation, and once they do, they intend to wipe Israel off the map and use their nukes against Israel. This is a clear and present danger and an existential threat. And so now under the current administration, we, the U.S., is a party to allowing Iran to go down that nuclear path. So how might God move? How might he move in such a way suddenly to orchestrate circumstances to stop this from happening? It'll be interesting to see how he does move. We also have the Russia-Ukraine military flashpoint happening right now. And Russia has made it very clear for the West to stay out of it, to... to, uh, not get involved and allow Russia to work things out between themselves and Ukraine. But this has the potential to flare up into World War III. And depending upon what news source you look at or what news source you read, uh, there's, there's a high level of propaganda going on of, of a narrative, a story being told. And it's really hard to know what really the truth of the matter is except that we ask God to give us discernment about the the situation. So while all eyes and the world's attention is focused on Russia-Ukraine, quietly, Iran is speedily and quietly and stealthily doing everything they can to become a nuclear-armed nation. And so we wait and we pray and we intercede for the Lord to protect 
the nation, and the people of Israel. And that's exactly what happened in the story of Esther. It was the people prayed. For three days and three nights, they fasted and they prayed and they repented. And as they cried out to God, because they were in an impossible situation, they were facing annihilation as a nation and as a people. As they cried out to God, he heard their cries, he heard their prayers, and he acted swiftly. And may we again cry out to God and ask for God's mercy and his protection over the nation and the people of Israel in these perilous times. Heavenly Father, we lift up the nation of Israel. We ask that you would protect them, protect this nation, put your hand of covering and blessing and protection over the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. We pray that you will protect them from harm, protect them from evil, protect them from the missiles and the rockets of Iran and Iran's proxies of Hamas and Hezbollah that are stationed in the Gaza Strip and stationed in Lebanon. We pray for your blessing, your protection, your covering, your favor over the nation and the people of Israel. We ask it in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And now please enjoy this short message spoken by Jeremy Campbell of the Land of Israel Fellowship on the topic, A New Dimension of Biblical Prophecy, Russia versus Ukraine. Again, by Jeremy Campbell of the Land of Israel Fellowship. Um, I'm really excited about what's happening in the world now because it gives us an opportunity to understand prophecy. And because most people, they have a very limited understanding of what prophecy is. Most people think prophecy was some sort of vision, enlightenment, some sort of wisdom that was downloaded thousands of years ago that's going to tell us about what's going to happen in the future. That is one form of prophecy. But what makes the Torah's wisdom divine is that the text itself is speaking to us right now. It's like a different level of prophecy. It's not something that was told to us so many years ago that's foretelling the future. But if your eyes are open, then the actual text of what we read every week speaks directly to us every single week. Sometimes it'll speak to you and your wife or you and your husband or you and your family or just you and your own personal life. But very often it will speak to the entire world. And now imagine there's one text that's being read every week around the world and more and more believers are joining into the Torah cycle. And so all of the people that love the Torah are reading the same message every single week. So the Torah portion that's coming up right now is in Exodus chapters 38, Pekude, I want to open it up just to verse 26 here, and let's read it together. So this is talking about the machatzit hashekel. It's talking about what it will look like when we collect the money from the people. And it says a becca for each man, a half shekel according to the shekel of, of the sanctuary. For everyone included in the numbering from 20 years old and above, for 603,550 men. Meaning 
they took an exact amount of half shackles from each men, but in the right angels that were military fit, and it was 603,550. That's what we're reading literally right now in this week's Torah portion. Very good. And so I want to point out something right now that we're talking about these men that are from the ages of 20 to 60, it's military. It's also talking about building the Mishkan. It's talking about building the tabernacle, which is the representation of God returning to the land, returning to earth, having his presence dwell within us after the sin of the golden calf. And so I want to point something out here that Tehillah pointed out to me, and she got it from this website called worlddata.org. Can we put the screenshot up on the thing? Thank you very much. And so here we have it. This is the geography of Ukraine, and this is what it says. This You can check this up on yourself, worlddata.info. Europe, Ukraine, you can see it right there. That's the link. Ukraine is a country in Eastern Europe at the Black Sea. The land has a total area of 603,550 square kilometers. Now, I just want you to just let's let that sink in for a second, because the chances that the Ukraine would be exactly 603,550 kilometers, exactly, we're reading that portion of the Torah right now, exactly as Russia is invading Ukraine right now. All of this is happening because the Torah portion is speaking to us right now. We don't need a spice cart to fall out of the sky. We have literally the word of God that's speaking to us saying, I want you guys to know the world may look chaotic. It may look like, oh my goodness, two years of a global pandemic. And now we're entering into World War III. Like what's going on here? Everything just seems so random and so chaotic. But if your eyes are on the Torah portion, and your eyes are understanding that prophecy is not just what was spoken then that's happening now, but the text itself is speaking to us right now, then we realize nothing here is by chance. Nothing here is a coincidence. 603,550, the chances that that would be in this week's Torah portion, and that is the exact kilometers of the soldiers of the Ukraine that are fighting against the Russian invasion, it's just unbelievable. And so that everyone here should take a lot of strength, encouragement to know that um, nothing here is of chance. And here is a spice card given to us for those that are reading the Torah portion, that they should realize that just as the sanctuary was being built, so God's presence would return to the camp and dwell among us, so too, this is the beginning of a process that God's presence is on his way back to dwelling in Zion, to the clouds of glory will fill the temple in Jerusalem, world peace will come, even though it looks like world war is about to break out. No, no, no. Prophecy that's speaking to us right now is actually going to tell us world peace is on the horizon as well. And now I want to let another level of prophecy, very important, because you read the books of Isaiah, you read the books of Jeremiah, and it's like, what is going on? There's like so much discussions of the interpolitics, international politics, and they're talking about Assyria and Babylonia and Jerusalem and Egypt, and all the prophets are like giving their analysis of the global politics. And so the first message is, if you're a believer, don't think you can just lock yourself up on your farm in Colorado and just worry about you and your family and your homestead. No, you need to understand what's happening on a global level because God is on the move. Always pay attention to big global moves. The prophets are teaching us how to think. But not only that, it's teaching us how to interact with these nations. And I think that maybe perhaps this is the greatest lesson Israel can learn from what's happening in this Russia-Ukraine disaster right now. And there is a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Can we put the verse up? It's chapter 36, verse 6. And here's what it says. Look, 
you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. Isaiah is very upset at the king of Israel, saying, how could you take a side here? Why would you all think you could rely on an external superpower to protect you? In fact, in modern Hebrew, when you say, I'm going to nishan on a kaneret suits, you're like, I'm going to lean on this broken reed. That's like a modern way of saying exactly what the vision and the message of Isaiah was. Do not rely on anyone else other than you in any other thing other than God to solve your problems or to rely on anyone else when you are in need. We have only ourselves to rely on and only God to rely on. There is no one else. Don't think that America is going to come and save you with all of their promises and all of their wishes. Oh, well, you know what? Let's actually hear what the president of the United States said when Ukraine gave up their nuclear arsenal. Why a nation would give up their nuclear arsenal? Let's see what America promised. Ukraine chose to give up nuclear weapons when the former Soviet Union dissolved. Your decision has made the Ukrainian people, the American people, and the entire world much safer and more secure. I want President Kuchma and the Ukrainian people to know that the United States and the West will stay the course. The United you. States will stay the course with you, Israel. We will stay the course and watch you be destroyed. Just give up the Golan Heights to Syria. Just give up your highlands so ISIS are swimming in the Kinneret and having a mikvah in the Sea of Galilee. Why don't you just give up Judea and Samaria, the highlands? You don't need those mountains of Judea and the mountains of Samaria. Why not just leave Ben-Gurion Airport at just like a gunshot range and leaving Israel with borders nine miles wide? Israel will be safer. America will be safer. The world will be safer. And America will be there to stay the course. I mean, what a lesson for us to learn. Do not lean on a broken reed. That's what Isaiah is teaching us. Israel can never rely on the promises of any other nation or any other people. All we can rely on is ourselves and on God. And that's prophecy that was given to us thousands of years ago that the wisdom is transcendent beyond time, space, and technology, and it's speaking directly, directly to us right now. And so I just want to point out one other thing, because the left in America and the left in the world, particularly really in Europe, they see themselves as so enlightened. They see themselves as woke, and we, who are, I mean, we're not awake. They're the awake ones. And I just, I just want to show you a clip here that I found from President Barack Obama, not that long ago, about the threats of Russia. A few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not Al-Qaeda, you said Russia. In the 1980s or now, calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. Okay, that did not age well for President Obama. And here's the issue. The secular, modern world, they're both... Um, arrogant and stupid at the same time. 
And that's a really dangerous co like combination. They're so progressive and they're so woke and they're so enlightened and they think that they are so smart while all of these, I don't know, these people that believe in the Bible, they're just so primitive and superstitious. People who believe in old antiquated books. Well, in that old antiquated book, which happens to be the greatest piece of literature ever written and by far, and to date, there's no wisdom that I've ever encountered that even comes close to the wisdom of the Bible. There's an amazing verse there, and it's a deep wisdom. And it says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Reshit You see, the secular world, its stupidity is only matched by its arrogance. And that's what makes it so dangerous. There's no wisdom there because once you lose your moral grounding and you can no longer say good is good, evil is evil because you have no truth, because you have no God, then you have no wisdom. And so you look at the greatest wisdom ever transmitted to humanity and you ridicule it. Ah, that antiquated old book of the Bible. There's no wisdom when you have no fear of the Lord. And instead of studying it, they ridicule it. And here we are watching this, a miracle, how this ancient text isn't just so wise. It is quite literally somehow communicating to everyone that's reading it right now. And so here at the fellowship, hundreds of families from 50 countries around the world gather here to connect to the heart of the land of Israel, to learn together, to get a deeper understanding and find more meaning in the Bible, a deeper understanding of prophecy. It's the deepest wisdom that has shaped the world as we know it. And our mission here is to bring the Torah to the world. So every person that joins the fellowship, that shares it with their inner circle is quite literally bringing the light to the nations. And that is nothing less than the mission of this generation, because if you are not awake now that God is on the move and that the world is shaking and that you can literally hear the footsteps of Mashiach at the door, then you are not listening. And so this is a wake up call for everyone to take um, hope in the fact that every time a war erupts in the world, our sages say that the power of Mashiach is woken up. And so this is one step closer to world peace. And that's my Torah for today. Adonai Adonai the Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace.